How many of you have ever heard of or seen this bracelet right here? You can check out this picture I have on the screen right behind me. You see that? All right. You guys have seen that? It's an acronym. Do you guys know what that stands for? What an acronym that is? You can shout it out. You can talk in church. It's okay. What would Jesus do? Hey, Franklin, would you mind? I think this mic is hot. Would you mind? It's one of the last ones towards the end of the thing there. It's one of the last, yeah. Thanks a lot. What would Jesus do? It was a very popular uh, bracelet. It was actually made popular in the 90s, uh, but it actually has its origin way before then. It came from a book, uh, a book uh, by a pastor named Charles Sheldon, and he wrote a book. It's called In His Steps. And uh, so the big idea of the book is that whenever you find yourself at like a moral crossroads, you should ask yourself, hey, if Jesus were in my shoes right now in this situation, in this predicament, what would he do? And so the hope would be that the answer to that question would help you make the right choice in that moment. But for today and for the next four weeks, we're not asking what would Jesus do. We're asking ourselves a different question. We're actually flipping it around just a little bit. And we're asking ourselves the question, what would Jesus undo? As we look at the words of Jesus in the Bible, those red letters, if you guys have a red letter Bible, you know those red letters that pop up in the New Testament, those are the actual words of Jesus. And if we were to read those words of Jesus, what are the things that as we read into that text broke his heart? What are the things that broke the heart of Jesus? And that's what we want to be looking at as we ask this question, what would Jesus undo? And so to begin, I wanted to paint you guys a hypothetical. Christmas is around the corner. In fact, I was just driving down Nicobaca yesterday. Minimax has all the decorations up already, you know, for Christmas. It's right around the corner. It'll be here before you know it. And soon enough, you're going to be doing your gift shopping, right? You're going to go out. You're going to be buying gifts for everybody. I want you guys to imagine, hypothetical, imagine for a second. You're, you're out shopping for someone really special, someone you really care about. So you're going to spend a little bit more time, you know, seeking out this gift. You're probably going to spend a little bit more money than you should because this is really somebody that's really special you want to get. You're not just picking them earmuffs. You're not just getting them a scarf. You're getting this person something special. You're putting a little bit of thought into this gift, right? Now, I want you to picture this. You pick up this gift. You spend a little money time in the mall. You fight the crowds and all that stuff. You wrap it up on Christmas Day. You give it to that special someone. You give them the gift, and you're waiting with anticipation. You want to see like the look on their face. When they get this gift, the gift that you spend so much time and money to get them, and you just, you give them the gift, here's the gift that I got you, it's no big deal. You tell them, you know, you're lying through your teeth, it was a big deal. But you know, here's, here's, here's the special gift. And so you look with anticipation, waiting to see the surprise look on their face. And you think, man, you know, I, I can't wait to see, to see their expression when they open this up. And then they open up the gift, and they smile, and they tell you, thank you. And then pick up the present and put it to the side. And you're like, okay, okay, well, you know, I put a lot of thought into this. Maybe later they're going to really appreciate it later on. They'll pick it up. And then the days go by and the weeks go by and the months go by. And that precious gift, that gift that you spend so much time trying to get for this person, they just put it to the side. And in fact, when you see it next time, it's collecting dust off in the corner. Or they re-gifted it, even worse, right, to somebody else. Now, I want you guys to imagine that hypothetical, right? Now, imagine this. Imagine Jesus. I want you guys to envision him leaving glory in heaven and coming down to earth. He leaves his throne to lay in a manger. He leaves his riches in heaven to inherit a life of poverty on earth. And during his time here, he's despised, he's rejected, 
And then he endures torture all for you and for me. He dies in your place for your sins. He conquers the grave. He's raised to life. And through this sacrifice, you experience forgiveness of sin. And in his raised life, you experience a new life. Think about this. Before Jesus' redemptive work, you were eternally separated from God. You were doomed for his wrath and for destruction. But because of Jesus, instead, you receive love, you receive mercy, you receive forgiveness. Because of Jesus, you go from sinner to saint, from an unpayable debt to forgiven. And now, because of Jesus, you can live life in full. He gives you a renewed purpose. He gives you a new identity. You have God's living word at your fingertips. And Jesus gives you access to God through prayer. Jesus charges you with spiritual purpose, and he gives you the same spirit that raised him from the grave. He gives it to you. And Jesus does all of this amazing work in our lives. And it's a precious gift. Yet we go day in and day out without him even crossing our minds. It's like that Christmas gift. We put all our thought into it, all our, all our effort, all our money. It's this expensive gift. And then we just lay it to the side. And we have this precious gift that's Jesus. And he doesn't even cross our mind during the day. What would Jesus undo? Today we're talking about spiritual indifference. Spiritual indifference. Now what is spiritual indifference? If I were to categorize it by an emoji, I would use this one right here. You see it on the screen. That would be the emoji. Spiritual indifference, it's, it's meh. Meh. It's like whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect me. It's just meh. And we're going to look at the words of Jesus in the book of Revelation. It's the last book in, in your Bibles. And we're going to be looking at a portion of a letter that was written to one of seven churches in the, in the, uh, in the book of Revelation. And in these letters, Jesus was praising some, some of these churches for their commitment and for their growth in the gospel. But for others, he was a rebuke for their spiritual apathy. And so I want to look at what Jesus said to the church in Laodicea. It was one of the seven churches. And we're going to read in Revelation chapter 3. Now, if you have your message notes, guys, please take those out. You can follow along. Is it message notes? There's a couple fill in the blanks there for you to follow along with as well. And by the way, on my right, next to the Operation Christmas Child boxes, there's some Bibles there. And if you want to follow along in a paper version of the Bible, go grab it. If you don't have that Bible, you can take it home. It's your gift. It's our gift to you. You can go ahead and bring that home. Otherwise, all the notes are in the bulletins uh, on, on the note sheet, so you can follow along. Let's read Revelation chapter 3, 15 and 16. We're going to read parts of this together, okay? So be on your toes. Here we go. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish, I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, read this last part of the verse with me together. Ready, go. I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. Jesus says, I know your works. He tells the church in Laodicea. He says, I know your works. And Jesus knows your works. And if Jesus were to look back at your week, what would he say about it? Would he say that you were in red-hot pursuit of him? Or would it just have been a, a meh week? I don't know about you guys, but I hate room temperature coffee. Right? Coffee, you can drink it hot, or you can drink it cold, you can drink it iced. 
But room temperature, if you pour a cup of coffee and you let it sit out for a few hours and then you go to drink it, it's just nasty. And by the way, if you do like room temperature coffee, there's deliverance for you today. We'll pray for you. We'll lay hands and we'll pray or get you help because you need it. You drink it, how do you call it? If you leave it out for a couple of hours, you know, just sit in there, room temperature, it's nasty. And this is how the, the church in Laodicea was. And let's just be honest, that's the way some of us are here today. We've experienced God's amazing grace through Christ. But instead of living our lives holy for him and surrender to him, we're complacent, we're indifferent, we're spiritually apathetic. And what Jesus says here is that it doesn't only break his heart, but it turns his stomach. It makes him want to vomit. And this is where so many of us find ourselves right now. And so if you were to ask me, Danny, what are the causes of spiritual indifference, of this spiritual apathy? What causes it? I want to I refer to two things specifically. It's in your notes. Here's the first fill in the blanks. Two causes of spiritual indifference. Number one is self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. And this is when you say, I've got this. I've got it figured out. I can handle this on my own. I got it all together. It's having reliance on your own ability. It's on your own willpower or your own capabilities to essentially pull yourself up by the bootstraps and take care of business. And it's honestly what it does is it stems stems from pride. And it's heavily influenced by the thought processes of this world. Because we live in a very individualized culture. It's a very self, self-help culture, which is why you know, the, the most popular, uh, most, most books that are sold are self-help books in Barnes & Nobles. It's the biggest section in the whole bookstore. It's an IG culture. Right? It's an Instagram culture. Where on social media, you post up and you present a well-polished, better version of yourself. But look at what Jesus goes on to tell the church in Laodicea in, in verse 17. Look at what he says. He says, for you say, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, I need nothing, I've got it all figured out, I got this, I can handle it, I can take care of myself, and you don't realize, verse 17, that you are wretched, you are pitiful, you are poor, you are blind, and you are naked. You know, compared to the rest of the world, you know, those of us here in the West, we are very blessed. We've got jobs, we've got money in the bank, we've got a car to drive. At the very least, we've got a bed to sleep in uh, and a roof over our head. We're very, very blessed compared to the vast majority of this world. But you can have worldly wealth and be spiritually bankrupt. You know, another cause of spiritual indifference is this. Number two, and you notes, you can write this down, is the distractions of this world. The distractions of this world. You know, Jesus would often use stories uh, to help get his message across and to teach about important spiritual truths. We'll call them parables in the New Testament. In Mark chapter 4, we read a story about a farmer uh, who sowed seeds among different types of soil. Uh, now, if you've never read this parable, this story in the, in the New Testament, then it may be a little bit hard to understand. I'm going to try my best to explain it to you. But he talks about a farmer on one occasion. He was throwing seeds among dirt. And one of the dirt was covered with thorns. And so, of course, when he cast the seeds and when the seeds began to grow and it sprang up, it was choked out by the thorns. Now, Jesus explained in the parable that the farmer is symbolic of one who goes around teaching the word of God and sharing the gospel. And so the seeds are seeds of the gospel that are being cast out. 
as they're being preached. And the seeds, and, and the seeds of the gospel being preached and the, and the word, and the word getting sown into the dirt. The dirt is representative of the people that are receiving that gospel. And so for the people that are symbolic of the soil among the thorns, look at what, what Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Remember, this is in context of the story, a parable that Jesus is sharing. He says, others are like seed sown among thorns. These are the ones that hear the word, they hear the gospel, they hear the message, they receive it. But the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And here's the truth, that one of the causes of spiritual indifference in our lives is that we're so caught up with the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth and our own selfish desires for more and more and more. For some of us, we're so caught up in, in trying to pay the bills that we have to pay. Or we're so caught up in the debt that we need to climb out of. Or, or we're too caught up in the rat race of climbing the corporate ladder at work. Or too, some of us, we have places to go. We got people to see, people to meet. You know, we need a, we need a network. We got to network. We got to meet new people. We have to socialize. And on and on and on it goes. We get so caught up in all of this. But we're busy for busy's sake. And we're just so distracted by everything else that who has time for Jesus anyway? We want just a little bit of Jesus, but not too much. I don't want enough of Jesus that he inconveniences me. Or he takes away time from my friends. Or he keeps me from getting a pay raise at work. Or he keeps me from doing what I got to do. Just enough of Jesus, just enough to make me feel better or to make me feel better about myself. Now, how do you know if you're living lukewarm? And some of you know already, uh, just by some of the things and some of the Bible verses we've read, we've read so far, you might, t- might know. But I have four things, and this is a gazillion things I could have put. There's four things, four tests that I want you guys to self-examine. Nobody's here pointing fingers. And this is a message for all of us that we all need to understand and grasp. But here's four, four indicators. Here's number one uh, in your notes, the next foot in the blank. A short tell sign that we're living spiritually indifferent or apathetic or we're living lukewarm is that we're more concerned with oppressing people than living for God. The Bible says that in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, ungrateful, and unholy. People are willing to compromise morally and spiritually in order to impress others, even if it's to the detriment of living their lives in a way that honors God. And one of the short tell ways that we can know we're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. The next fill in the blank is that we're obsessed with here and now over eternity. So often we're so caught up with what's in front of us that we forget the eternity that's promised to us after this life. That if Jesus is real and if his sacrifice on the cross is enough to forgive me of my sins and his resurrection was powerful enough to resurrect me, then what I see in front of me is not all there is. There's something after this. We have the promise and the hope of an eternity in the presence of God, away from pain, away from heartaches, away from the hurt of this world. Yet we love quick fixes. We love the pleasures of this world. So much so that it removes our focus from the truth that what we see and experience now is not all that there is. Another sign that we live in lukewarm is that we believe in Jesus, but rarely share our faith. We believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. 
A short-tell sign that we are living indifferently is that we don't share our faith with anyone else. We're closet Christians. We keep our walk with Christ private. Shh, it's a secret. Nobody needs to know. No one needs to know about your walk with Christ. Maybe you're afraid of rejection. Maybe you're afraid of being stereotyped a certain way. So yeah, you believe in Jesus. a secretive experience. After all, it's your personal relationship with the Lord, right? So no one needs to know. If your church does an outreach where you have the opportunity to meet your neighbors, to share your testimony, to share the gospel with your community and your neighbors, you avoid it like the plague. God forbid that you're seen in public with your private closet church family. Or God forbid you open your mouth to proclaim the truth of the gospel. But remember the words of Jesus. What did he say? To go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You know what else Jesus said? He said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. Here's the last, and again, I did a gazillion things we could have talked about here, but here's number the, the fourth uh, thing, short tell sign we're living lukewarm, is when we only turn to God when we need him. We only turn to God when we need Him. And this is perhaps one of the most common ways I see spiritual indifference. God is my cosmic genie. And whenever I need Him, or whenever I'm in a pickle, I'll just rub my magic lamp and I'll call down a prayer. God, I need you right now. And, uh, and you can tell. I, I've heard it, I don't know how many times. Danny, I've tried everything. I've tried it all. I've tried to solve it. I guess now all I can do is pray. And what you're telling me is that God is your cosmic genie and you've tried everything within your own power and since you can't, you can't handle it on your own, let's rub this lamp three times and call him down. Because he's the only, now I need him now. I need him in this moment. When everything's fine, you're ghosts. You're nowhere to be found. But as soon as trauma hits, we turn to God so that he can magically make it disappear. And then God forbid he doesn't take it away. Because we will feel your wrath, right? God, you're my cosmic genie. I rubbed on the lamp. I prayed. You didn't answer my prayer. I knew it, God. I knew you wasn't real. I knew you were fake. I knew you wasn't a loving God. Because if you were, you wouldn't have allowed this to happen in my life. Are you living lukewarm? Are you living with spiritual indifference? Are you, man? Let me be honest with you guys. I know that I've found myself here many, many, many times where me personally, I grasp, I know who Jesus is and I know all that he's done for me and I know the immense sacrifice by which I've been forgiven and loved and, and adopted into the family of God. But the distractions of this world, they come in and they choke that spiritual fire out. How about you? So why are we talking about this? Danny, why are you you're making me feel bad? Why, why are you doing this, Danny? Well, let me give you one word. One word. This is why we're talking about this. Love. It's because of God's great love for us through Jesus that he would address our spiritual indifference. 
Because maybe you're like, man, Dan, you hit me hard today with that word. Well, look at the words of Jesus. Revelation 3.19. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it. Read it out loud with me. Ready? Go. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Circle in your notes where it says love. He corrects and he disciplines everyone he loves. And it's from a heart of love that we receive this rebuke and that we receive this correction. Examine your life and your walk with Christ this past week. Examine your life and your walk with Christ this past few months. Examine your life and your walk with Christ this past year. Before you know it, we'll be ringing 2020 in. Examine your walk with Christ this year. Can you say that you've been living your life in a red-hot pursuit of Christ? Or has it just been, eh, lukewarm, spiritually indifferent, spiritually apathetic? Now, what I want you to know is that God loves you. And he's patient. And he's a loving father who loves his children immensely and wants nothing but the best for you. And he gives you an opportunity to respond to that love. In fact, that's where rebuke and correction is. It's an opportunity to respond to his love. He gives you the opportunity to respond. He calls you back into relationship. He calls you to reject spiritual indifference and to pursue him. Hear it. Hear it in his words. In verse 20, Revelation 3.20, he says, See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And what I want you to hear in the words of Jesus, in that rebuke, is love. And it's an opportunity to examine your life and to see where you've lived spiritually apathetic. Or indifferent. And to respond to this correction. And receive rebuke. Now if you're here today. And you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've been seeking. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you've got doubts. But you want to experience his love. Then all you have to do. Is put your faith in Jesus. God in his immense love for you. He sent his son Jesus to live a perfect and sinless life. The life that you or I are never able to live. And Jesus was led to the cross to die a criminal's death. It was a death that was owed you and me. But three days later, by God's power, Christ was risen from the grave. And now because Jesus is king, you can put your faith in him. And he has the power to forgive you of your sins and to grant you new life. And so if you're here today and you've yet to make that decision to follow him, or maybe you heard this whole Jesus thing, this gospel thing before, and you didn't quite understand, but today you understand that Jesus loves you and that you cannot pay for your own sin, that we fall incredibly short before God's righteousness and that you have an opportunity to respond today to his love, then I want to give you a chance to do that. 
If everybody would take out their connection cards right now, I want to show you guys something that's on the back. They are the connection cards. Please fill out uh, the information on the front, your name and email of your regular tenders, enough information. But on the back, this is what's really, 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 really important. On the back of that connection card, there's some next steps. Now, if you are a devoted follower of Christ, then there's a couple steps for you there. Maybe you, maybe you made a decision, but you've yet to be baptized. You can check that off. We want to help you make that decision before the year's up. Maybe you want to join us next Sunday. Maybe there's a prayer request that you need prayer for. You can write that down. But if you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, or you did the church thing, you did the religious, the religious thing, but you didn't quite grasp and understand the fullness of the gospel, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel today. And if that's you, that's a, that's a decision you make between you and God. You, you right there in your seat. You can make a prayer and you can say, Lord, I surrender to your lordship. Jesus, you are my king. And you make that decision. But as your church family, we would love to know. And the way you can let us know is by checking that off on the connection card. And in a moment when the buckets go around, you can drop that connection card in. And we want to be your church family that would support you, encourage you, hug you, and celebrate with you that decision. Now listen, for everybody here, if you're a follower of Jesus, in a moment, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Um, They can come up right now because we're about to partake in communion. And I want you guys to use this opportunity as we partake in communion to respond. I want you to respond to Jesus knocking at your door this morning. If you've been living spiritually apathetic, spiritually indifferent, I want you to hear Jesus lovingly knocking at your door and calling you to repent. And so as we take communion, as we go up to take communion, I want you guys to go up with the heart of repentance and ask God to forgive you for the places in your life that you've been spiritually apathetic and hear Jesus knocking at the door. Let us repent of our spiritual indifference and lukewarmness. As you drink the juice and you eat the bread, remember the blood of Jesus poured out for you and his body broken for you. That which we take for granted, that which we abuse, that which we live indifferently about. God, forgive us of our indifference, oh God. And so we're, we're about to pray now, and the, and the team's going to lead us in one song. And after I pray, I invite you at your leisure to go up, grab a cup of juice, drink it, take a piece of bread and eat it, head back to your seat, and take a moment to consider where in your life have you been living indifferently. And use it as an opportunity to pray. Use it as an opportunity to repent. And use it as an opportunity to hear from God and to feel his love for you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us of our self-sufficiency and our claim to think that we can do anything on our own. We live so distracted, whether it's by the pursuit of wealth or things, or popularity and clout. God, forgive us of our spiritual apathy and indifference. Oh God, spark within us a flame that cannot be put out by the foolish things in this world or by our own laziness. Lord, help us care more about what you think over what others think. Give us an eternal view, one that isn't clouded only by what we see before us. Help us share our faith with the lost around us and to invite them into your family. May we have an utter dependence on you at all times, good and bad. Lord, we repent of our sin.
of indifference. Light a fire in us, I pray. In Jesus' name.